0: Here's the big question. How is it that most entrepreneurs hustle and are always busy and struggle to take just one step forward only to fall two steps back? They're dedicated, determined, and driven, but only a few finally break through and win. This show uncovers those quantum leap patterns of highly successful people, so you can simply model what they do and apply to your future success. That's the question, and the answers are right here. My name is Brigitte Hoefele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. And happy Tuesday, everyone, here at the Success Pattern Show. My name is Brigitte Hoefele. I am the founder of the Success Pattern Movement and the CEO of the Center of NLP, where we put the do in learn, do, teach. And boy oh boy, do we have an credible guest expert. I wanna say the doctors in the house today. And before I go into that, I wanna, as you are constantly improving, I wanna talk a little bit about success and success patterns. Well, the definition of patterns is an example for others to follow. And we're going to give you some great patterns today. And the quality of the success or, or success all in itself is really an interesting thing as it shapes it, its meaning within each individual success seeker. And it's not limited to business or personal life or anywhere else that you're looking for success. Success is modeled in strategies, patterns, and behavior. And Tony Robbins is known for saying success leaves clues. I say success leaves comes in patterns, and when we can decipher, decode these patterns that led to other people's success, like our guest experts, then you can actually encode them into your own life so you can have success starting right now. As humans, we're hardwired for hands-on application and and hands-on learning by a living teacher. We're not theoreticians here because they kind of just talk a good game Here are grandmasters at work, and I have, as I said, an incredible guest expert on the show today. He will drop many incredible nuggets. He is a practicing ER physician. Told you guys, doctors in the house. Um, He has uh, completed an emergency medicine residency at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, and he was staying on as a faculty member. At, at Vanderbilt, and he observed and researched operational inefficiencies and unrealized continuous improvement opportunities, which ultimately resulted in founding his program and his company that he's going to share more uh, about with us today. It is a, this company is called Kinexus and is a rapidly growing software company that helps organizations manage and Excel improvement and innovation programs. Their mission kind mission is to help organizations around the world to spread and scale improvement. Now, if this is not a great fit for the success pattern show, I don't know what is we're constantly giving you patterns to improve. Um, and we have an incredible doctor in the house to talk exactly about that. So I can't wait to bring him on. Greg Jacobs, great to have you here on the Success Pattern Show. Thank you for taking time.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think we're going to have fun.
0: Ab- absolutely. If it's not fun, we're not doing it. Um, so, so ER doctor going into uh, technology or, or turning technology entrepreneur what the heck happened
1: (laughs) i obviously took a wrong turn somewhere right
0: (laughs) i think you took the right turn though did you not (laughs) yeah
1: yeah no i I, i'm very very grateful for the turn that i took but i i it certainly wasn't a planned turn um i i just i follow my interests and i I was handed a, a, a book by Mizaki amai called kaizen and by about page seven i realized there was an entire discipline and me- methodology around uh, applying um, a, a practice, applying patterns to any system that could help improve it. And I start, realized, oh, we, we could teach our residents this and uh, we could start improving the ER that we're in and teach people how to improve the ERs that they're gonna go to. And so um, one thing led to another and after teaching the principals, realized trying to manage it on, in email was a, a, a total poop show as my 11 year old would say. And uh, we're off to the races on building, building technology to help manage all that.
0: So I envision you in your free time as an ER physician, right? And I learned earlier that your wife is one as well, um, that you just kind of picked up, you know, nonchalantly this Kaizen book and thought, oh, that's interesting. And as you're reading it, you're going, oh, you know, I think everyone on the face of this earth should know about this Japanese not just philosophy; it's much more than just a Japanese philosophy. Talk to us: a) How did you get to kaizen? How did it evolve? And 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 what is it?
1: Sure. So so um, so I was not the first person to think, oh, we could apply these manufacturing improvement principles, oftentimes they're referred to as kaizen or lean, that we could apply them to healthcare. Actually. Um, Dr. Berwick is credited back almost in, in the late 80s, early 90s for, for kind of making this observation. But I came to the realization in 04, so still pretty early on in the healthcare um, arena, I think that you, you couldn't be in healthcare today and, and not hear the words continuous improvement now, how their practice is a, is a different story in, in different places. But it was, it was uh, really obvious that you could take these principles of you know no idea is, is too small um, you know, fix individual problems, um, don't sweep them under the rug. If you can save, um, you know, just a second on a process, it's worth investigating. And uh, putting the, the customer, or in this case, the patient at the center of the equation, there's, there's a whole host of these, these principles and disciplines that when you apply them to a system, um, the, the outcome of that system is that the system gets better. The system um, has a higher quality. And, um, and so that's essentially the beginning of of this realization that, oh, that, this is the, this is going to be the way I can leave a mark on, on my patients. And then it, it obviously snowballed from there.
0: So, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that you said that, that we're constantly as, as in the field that you have been operating in uh, no pun intended, that (laughs) you are um, constantly looking for improvement for the patient and, and not just the patient, you know, I, I like to focus on win, win, wins. I like to focus not just on win, wins, you win, I win. I like to focus on you win, I win, and, and whoever's connected to you and I also wins. So there's a greater win in that. And, and I applaud you as an ER doctor who I can only imagine the stress um, and the craziness that, that the position brings with it, that you have that drive to constantly improve and to not just constantly improve yourself, but to actually create something much greater than you and teach others.
1: Yeah, no, uh, what's so, so there's certainly these principles can be applied to yourself. Um, When these principles uh, need to be applied to, to a system, it it really does take buy-in and it takes buy-in from leadership. So whether you're, applying it to a team and, and needing a, a, the, the team leader or an emergency department and needing the leaders of the emergency department or or even an entire large organization um, and and needing the c-suite of the organization um, to, to drive organizational change and organizational improvement it it really needs not only just sponsorship by the leadership but, but really engagement by the leadership now mm-hmm. keep in mind uh, the ceo of a you know, 20,000 person um, hospital system is going to engage in, in improvement work in a very different way than the person leading one of the emergency departments. But it, it, it does need, it needs their buy-in and their participation. So um, the, the idea and the realization that I had that I think kind of brought some novelness to this is, you know, could we use technology and could the technology be flexible enough to go into any system and really decrease the threshold, decrease the barrier um, with the amount of energy that has to be brought into that system to, to do that improvement work. And so that, that's really the, the genesis. Um, as I reflect back over the last 20 years, specifically, maybe you know, 10, 15, thinking about Kinexus, of but, but how, how can we make that process easier for an organization to, to actualize?
0: And then and then it begs the question, so you have the processes and, and scale the processes and, and make them more efficient. And then you, there's also this human factor that still plays in as humans, because there's a human interaction from doctor to patient in this case, in your case, and, and in any other case, you know, where there is human to human contact. How does one improve One's behavior. How does one improves one one's attitude? How does one improves one one's um, ability to soak in and soak up information that is so rich and so incredibly important as what you bring out?
1: That's a uh, that's a really tricky question. Um, I think uh, one of the one of the questions, and you said, "Oh, we have we're going to have some questions." Um, that are prepared and we'll probably never get to them. But one of the questions you asked was, um, what do you value the most? And, yeah. and what's interesting is is that um, I answered a different question than the the values and traits that we identified here at Kinexus. So it's interesting, about seven years into this journey, we sat around and we're like, oh, we're you know, 20, 25, almost 30 people big. That was a couple of years ago. We said, hey, we don't have any values and traits that we've ever really sat down and identified that what makes you... Um, what makes you um, successful at nexus and and one of those was um, to be kind. We identified that to, to show empathy, to have growth mindset. Um, those were um, some of the things that that we identified. And I think those are all of the things that you need to do. What you're talking about? How do you how do you recognize that perhaps uh, you could improve? How do you how do you recognize that? the patient isn't the problem. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to say that, um, remember, um, you're not the one with the pathology. So sometimes you'll be in a room and, um, and you'll, you'll be like, Oh wait, you you start like getting embroiled in, in the, the event going on in the room instead of leading and guiding the event going on in the room. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in realizing that this isn't the best, um, this isn't the best manifestation of the person that you're seeing. So, you know, showing that empathy and, and, and leading with kindness can, can really help you, um, I think, be open enough to, to, to show that, um, the kindness that you were mentioning, the, the, the way, how can I improve? Um, emergency medicine doctors have a really high burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general, they, they typically say that ER doctor lasts for about 15, 20 years now. I'm not going to say that that I've had that exact experience because, you know, I've, for much of my career, I've, I've done a very small number of shifts. So I'm not going to look at the ER doctor that's been a full-time ER doctor for 20 years and, and say, oh, well, hey, why are you burnt out? You should, you know, bring greater awareness to your job. But those are the things that that help um, someone to to kind of show up in the best manifestation of themselves, which... Was my top value um, to to go back to that? Um, I I wrote down what do, the question was. What do you value the most? I wrote down actualizing potential, and uh,
0: actualizing um, potential.
1: Yeah. So so think about that because I it, it's not saying oh I want I want my my daughter to make A's or you know I want us to reach the you know, the goal um, of a number at the end of the year. It, it's really um, if you could be um omniscient and just kind of know what someone's full potential is which obviously is unknowable and that's part of the um the, the juxtaposition there and then try to help people actualize that i think it is um it's just a beautiful thing it's actually why i'm doing this now um people ask, like why, why are you still doing this and just to be able to work with people and give them opportunities and see them blossom is it is it is remarkable is really remarkable
0: so you you definitely have this huge kind heart that you have shared with us earlier to help people now you're helping them in a different way with a lot of knowledge I wonder what was little Greg like, like, were you, were you always this driven and, you know, I'm here to help people. Tell us a little bit about that upbringing of little Greg.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really know hundred percent. I'll tell you the, the, envi- I grew up in a, a small business world environment. We would call it entrepreneurs now. Um, and other than my uncle, no one was in healthcare um, from my family. And so I went into healthcare, but I just had this entrepreneurial side of me. And, and there was a period of time in med school where I didn't know if I wanted to finish it. And then I got involved in real estate. So I even um, have this Whoa. whole other track of real estate that that I um, focus my time on as well. But um, and and so I I but I'll tell you, even. even there was never a time in my life, I, or I could remember, that I didn't think wanting to be a doctor was at least on the table. And so, um, kind of going into college, it was—I I loved science, I loved learning, and then I loved teaching. And I started to be a TA and tutor for my different biology classes. And and you know, how do you, how do you? Um, I think a physician at its core is someone that teaches um, constantly and someone that teaches and needs to teach at a lot of different levels. You go from, you know, one room where that, you know, might be someone that it's a non-English speaker, Um, maybe another person. You go to another room and they're the CEO of a, you know, a thousand person company and you go to the next room and they're a blue collar worker and kind of to meet people where they're at. And so it's uh, it's really rewarding.
0: You meet people where they're at. I'm, I'm pretty sure that is a strategy that you learn many times over in the ER, because you had no other chance to meet them right. where they're at with all of their, you know, aches and pains. Is probably uh, um, putting it mildly. In your opinion, what is the number one thing that a person is looking for when they are looking to be successful?
1: Yeah. Well. So, uh, I, I think if 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 you're if you're thinking of being an entrepreneur and um, that, that, you know that that's that's the the big audience that we're talking about here, there has to be uh, an intense amount of grit. I think that's the the one mm-hmm. thing I would say is probably th- there has to be a tenacity to reach a goal, and that kind. Of, solution to reach that goal is unknown and there is no promise of success at the end and the the idea of grit also kind of in in in, it encompasses the the realization that if the the goal is unattainable um i'm just gonna make it up um if you had grit to like you know develop a transporter like in star trek right i mean i just let's just say that that's an unattainable goal, right? Mm-hmm. To, 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 I think to have grit also, it, it infers and it, it somehow means that there is some appreciation for understanding that the goal is obtainable with the resources that you have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there were many times um, in the past, and there's still probably many times a day where, where you think I don't quite know how I'm going to get to B from A, but I know I have to just take the step. And, um, and so in order to have that motivation, I, I think that, that I'll, I'll bet if you do a psychological test on, on entrepreneurs in general, their, their level of grit is high. And maybe the entrepreneurs that are more successful, their level of grit is even higher.
0: And would you say the resourcefulness is even stronger than the resources that they have available?
1: Great. Great point. Um, I mean, we, we, as a company, we are a a SaaS B2B um, enterprise level and um, most companies have raised 10 X more than we have raised to date. And so figuring out where your strong suits are and um, kind of Double downing on those, and you know my strong suits early on. Um, I was not raising money. I didn't understand how um, investors and entrepreneur and, and venture capital couldn't make a decision right away. I, I was an ER doctor, and I was making a decision immediately, about life with very little information to figure out like how to proceed. And um, I found the entire process back at the beginning of talking to venture capital. Um, just incredibly circular, incredibly like just can you not just say yes or no and let's let's move on, um, and um, and so so we doubled down on things we were good at, which was you know talking to talking to potential customers, figuring out the problems, and figuring out how can we solve them, and um, getting people to use the product and incorporating their feedback and making it better. And if you just keep working at the things that you're good at. Um, then um, you, you'll end up in a, in a good place. So um, I don't know if that kind of answers your question, but yeah. I, I think if you're, if you can align, I think I've seen the, the Venn diagram. It's like, you know, what do you make money at? What are you passionate about? And what do you like or something? And it's like, figure out those things and do that thing in the middle and, and try to do that as much as possible, especially if it helps you a, a, obtain the goal of where you're trying to get, then, you know, Lots of things that are easier said than done. So.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that answer. And and I agree with you that, that that sweet spot in the middle is go for that. And that's easier said than done. Now, uh, speaking of easier said than done, I bet there are times where uh, as a doctor, as an entrepreneur, um, as a dad, as uh, just as Break altogether. That there are times where you're like, you know what? F that. I just, I just want to go lay down and pull the covers over my head. Um, and then you, and then you are, you know, tapping into that tenacity, into that grit. Where do you take that energy from? How do you overcome that challenge of I don't want to?
1: I. I, I, I don't I don't know I very rarely um, struggle with um, with that in any kind of long term certainly in the moment maybe um, I've, I've gotten into a habit of um, working out in the morning and um, so that's a uh, that's something that we, um, we kind of mentioned in the in the pre show um, my fascination with habits and I, I used to not have a pattern um, or a habit of working out. And uh, so I, I, I started this, and right when this was, right when this was starting, I was reading um, Clear's Atomic Habits. I had already read Do Higgs The Power of Habit, and uh, um, uh, I've now read um, uh, Fogg's um, Tiny Habits. And, and and I think what we're really talking about here is doing. Doing things almost in an automated way where kind of the choice of of what you're going to do has been already made for you because you've identified yourself and you've created your identity around, uh, you know, some principle. So if that principle is, I'm a guy that works out every morning then you don't really have the choice when you wake up, even if it really sucks. And for the first 10 minutes, it's going to suck. And sometimes the whole time it sucks. But at the end of it, you feel great about it. It's the same thing with an entrepreneur. You don't really have a choice in in kind of um, what you're going to do. I I do think it's balanced um, because I think if you're every day waking up or or whatever frequency and you're thinking, wow, I don't know if I want to do this. Eventually, you probably should ask yourself, maybe... Maybe you really shouldn't be doing this um, because, as near as I can tell, we've got you know one one chance at our life. Maybe maybe we reincarnate, but let's just say we got one chance and we're finding ourselves um, beating our heads against the wall um, and not enjoying ourselves. Maybe we should be doing something different. <laughs> um, certainly, we should be doing something in a different way. But I think if if we're talking about just the twenty percent or the thirty percent, how do you motivate yourself? I, I think I think habits are a And developing and really tapping into the science of habits really help you do what you're talking about, because then you're not really having to make a choice. You're just doing the action.
0: Yes. And I am all for habits and rituals. Now, how do habits and rituals? Let's just go with habits because you you mentioned habits earlier. How do habits get in the way of continuous improvement? Because it's something that we do over and over and over and over. And then we, we we at one point, hopefully going to the gym, it becomes easy and we do it on autopilot.
1: That's Maybe. a super interesting. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought because I, I think you're right. Um if you are building habits in which you're getting yourself into a rut if you will like maybe you're not doing the right kind of workout or maybe you are injuring yourself i, I think that's where um so i i i refer to myself affectionately as the great agitator here at Kinexis. um <laughs> i'm i'm and i i mean that in a really loving way i'm i'm always trying to muck things up just a little bit like hey well why are we thinking about it this way and I'm, I'm challenging things I, I think that comes from uh, I think you know medicine is the the basis is, is learning science and the basis of science um, um, developing science and expanding our knowledge is uh, making sure we have a healthy dose of skepticism and so um, so I, I I think that um, the the value that kind of incorporates here is the value of growth mindset. And so if you are making sure that you are kind of constantly thinking about, okay, what am I doing? What am I trying to accomplish? And then infusing this idea of uh, maybe I need to grow a little bit. Maybe I could do this discovery call a little bit differently. Maybe um, um, I'm... you for one, every, all entrepreneurs should be reading. I mean, if you haven't developed a habit of reading, um, then, then you are n- never going to be injecting the kind of, um, agitation, if you will, that you need. So whether it's, um, blog posts and, and, and books, I mean, you need to be doing a, a little bit of both and, and they don't necessarily all need to be about business. So I, right now I'm doing, um, Gene, um, by I'm probably going to kill his name. Um, Oh, come on. Um, Siddhartha Mukherjee. Oh, I'm, I'm killing that. OK. But he, All he, right. He has done some amazing books. Um, and so anyway, the the point is, I also think there's a, a, a lot to be learned about learning about different disciplines and mm-hmm. then seeing how those apply. I think a lot of innovation is at the intersection of two different disciplines now. Sure. And so and so I think getting into a habit of reading, I think, is going to be um. um really important. Um, and that is probably going to help you because if you're reading about something and you're learning new concepts or you're reinforcing or expanding on old concepts, then, then maybe that's, that's like the protection of how a habit, um, could have the side effect of getting into a rut. But if you're, you know, you're, we'll do the workout example, but if you're reading about fitness, then you're getting new ideas and trying to change things up. And that's growth mindset. Oh, I haven't done this exercise before. I'm not going to be good at it, but let me go ahead and go for it, etc. So,
0: and I guess a a continuous change can also be a habit, right? Is it's, it's a, a continuous? Let me check in on that and how can I do it better? Or you know, as my um, as my uh, 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 what do you call him? Personal trainer says always do a plus one. So plus one is doing something even more, but it's a habit.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. That well said. I have nothing, nothing <laughs> to add to that. That's perfect.
0: Now. Um, and, and, and I can really appreciate the concept of, uh, looking at other areas of maybe that you have studied or not studied or read about or not read about and, and bring in that knowledge. How does a dad, you being a father, have an impact on you also being a successful business owner and agitator?
1: Um, I, well, for one, I'm, I'm, my, my daughter is a perfect Petri dish to do experiments on. (laughs) I am uh, experimenting currently on getting her to develop the habit of feeding the dogs um, (laughs) every night. And I'm trying different little tricks on, on that. Um, but I'll tell you, the, the, the interesting thing, I think, you, you said something at the very beginning, it was something to the effect of learn, do, teach. Mm-hmm. There's a, an expression in, um, in medicine that says, um, see one, do one, teach one. So I, I thought those were um, like perfectly in sync. And I think that what is so great um, about teaching is that the teacher inevitably learns more than the student. And so, in in many ways, um, I'm learning more from my daughter than than she'll ever learn from me. Um, it's you, you you get to relive your childhood that you probably have forgotten a lot about. Um, there's probably no um, better kind of manifestation of what you may have been like because you know who knows what, what happened when we were four, and um, and then seeing her just come up with new concepts um, now is just um, is 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 remarkable. So, um, I, I also think that she's really good at, um, uh, I think entrepreneurs, we get, we ruminate about the business and, and about everything going on with it, um, to probably an unhealthy degree and, uh, having my wife and having my daughter when I come home, when they know that I'm in that place where I'm still like transitioning out of work. And, but then they, they pull me into that. And, um, and really, kind of allow me to have a mental break from, from that. So I, I think if you are fortunate enough to have a partner and fortunate enough to have a child, I think um, it's a very good way to help balance um, everything in your
0: life. I agree. We could, we could talk on for hours, and I love this conversation and the nuggets and the wisdom that you bring. Um, our time is coming to an end. How do folks continue to stay in touch with you?
1: great so the best way is probably kinexus.com so it's k-a-i-n-e-x-u-s thank you.com it's the fusion of kaizen and, and nexus we have uh, you know twitter and linkedin and um all the other socials um, on there we have a great webinar series so if you're interested in just learning about continuous improvement in general um there's lots of that and uh, of course you're showing my email shoot me an email I um, am not necessarily the quickest at responding, but I have a process on how I I do my emails. So I will definitely respond to you and we can strike up a conversation. And then I think one of the things you do is gifts. And my gift is essentially gonna be, my recommendation is to to read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. I think it's a great place to start um, your exploration of learning about habits. I have no financial um, connection to uh, James Clear. And um, I'm going to be giving a couple of talks on habits and continuous improvement um, coming up. That I've been thinking about these concepts um, really deeply um, for the last couple of years, and it's going to manifest in in this way. So,
0: yeah, um, (laughs) I. I'm grateful and I love to learn uh, more from you and through you. So folks, Kainexus, K-A-I-N-E-X-U-S.com. You find all of the socials on there. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Greg's next sessions on habits are going to be posted on there as well. Um, Follow him on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, subscribe to his channel on YouTube, Kainexus. And, um, Greg, will you come back at some point and share with us more wisdom?
1: I would be honored to. This was super fun. This is a, um, I do a little muse on, on Friday mornings to the company. This is like muse on steroids. So, um.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, thank you for being here, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, tune in again next week on Tuesday. Same time, same place. Until then, bye and ciao for now. Thank you for tuning in to The Success Pattern Show at www.thesuccesspatternshow.com. My name is Brigitta Hoofelet.